We're so glad to have you joining our podcast, Soul Talks, with Bill and Christy Galtier. And we appreciate you sharing Soul Talks with a friend. This summer, we're doing a series of conversations on the classics of Christian devotion. We may think the old books are dusty and boring, but C.S. Lewis said they bring us the clean sea breeze because they correct the mistakes of our age. And in the Bible, Paul sets an example for us by reading the old classic books. We see this in Acts and in his letters to Timothy. Sharing a classic with a friend makes for a great soul talk. Let's do it. It's a hot day here in Orange County, California. It sure is, and you surprised me. How's that? Well, you said yes when I said, well, we could go just put on our swimsuits and take a dip in that pool that's right behind our house, the community pool, and that would cool us off. I stopped my work and had fun with you. (laughs) You did. You went for a dip, and here we are sitting in our swim clothes, and we're cooled off and refreshed. That was so nice, and it was Fun to have a soul talks with you right there yeah, in the water. It was. I enjoyed that too, honey. Your Thanks. smile just ministers the grace of God to me. Mm. It's so fun to be face to face with you there, eye to eye, and just refreshing ourselves in the water and talking right in the, in the middle of a summer day. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm thankful to have a soul talk now with our friends, our yeah. soul talk friends, community. Hey, out there. I'm going to say hi and thank you to Mildred and Leroy Gurner. They're pastor couple in Nebraska we love. They're on sabbatical right now, but Mildred had sent me an email before saying, I drink up Soul Talks every week, sometimes listening several times to the same podcast. It feels intimate, real, vulnerable, relevant, and kingdomish. Kingdomish. <laughs> she says, I receive spiritual care and direction from y'all as I listen. Thank you, Mildred. Yes. And Lord bless Leroy and Mildred on their sabbatical. So thankful that This pastor couple can get a few months away from uh, work and ministry and responsibility and be refreshed and nourished in their scripture meditations and on vacations and having their own soul talks and just enjoying your grace and your beauty and being refreshed for the next season of ministry ahead. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I was encouraged uh, hearing from Andrew Wood, the student ministries pastor at Journey Christian Church just down the street from us here in Irvine. And he says uh, he's been enjoying our series on the classics and asked for some book recommendations. And so that was fun. Appreciate that. Hey, Andrew, way to go. It is fun. It's so helpful when we get this feedback. So often I think, is anybody interested in this? (laughs) So it's always great to hear. So we got some faces in front of us to talk to. Yeah, that always helps, doesn't it? Well, today we're continuing that series. We're talking about John Wesley. Yeah, I love John Wesley. Well, tell me why. Well, he was a very uh, earnest, devout, disciplined, studious Christian, a tremendous leader that changed the face of England, America, and the world in many ways. I mean, there are uh, multiple millions of Methodists today because of John Wesley. And this real serious-minded, fairly hard-nosed guy became softened by the grace of God and became uh, vulnerable and uh, tender and had a real intimacy with the Lord and a compassion for people and learned a way of practicing God's presence that he called continuing instant in prayer. And that led to many uh, marvelous discoveries and tremendous ministry, including the development of what we now have today in our churches as small groups 
Mm, yeah, you've mentioned he kind of is the father of small groups. He developed the methods. That's why they were called Methodists. It was a term of derision. But he gathered that. people in groups, and they did spiritual disciplines together, and they checked in with each other's souls. And so I guess we could say that we owe our Soul Talks podcast to John Wesley. So what do you mean it was a term of derision, Methodist? Because people were churchgoers. They were religious. It was a high society club sort of a thing, being a Christian in that day. And they thought that these very devoted, disciplined uh, Methodists that were reading books from the ancient writers and practicing scripture meditation and having vulnerable conversation about how it was with their souls and how they were experiencing God's presence and confessing their sins to each other. And they just thought that that was not needed. And, and plus, it was so many people that were poor and common people, the coal miners, and it was more the, the uh, wealthy religious people that didn't want anything to do with them and what they were doing. Yeah, it's, it's so common. We find this in these great classic devotional writers, people that God really used in powerful ways that they were criticized and persecuted even by church and religious people. And that's part of Wesley's story too. Yeah, and part of what drew people to Christ was Wesley's response to persecution, being loving and blessing those that cursed him, being generous, forgiving. Yeah, well, we've come to really appreciate all the more his methods and his small groups and all that because our mentor, Dallas Willard, talked about he was an example of someone who really tried to work towards the formation of the people that he ministered to and also with developing kind of the, a curriculum to grow in Christlikeness. Yeah, John Wesley did that in a number of ways, uh, you know, through his sermons, and he wrote excerpts from classics of Christian devotion in smaller booklets that he passed out to people in his societies Didn't know that. so that they would uh, glean from these same writings that he had. That's great. Our version of that is on our Soul Sharpening website. If you follow the tag classics, there's about 50 articles on our website that give uh, good excerpts from these ancient writers that help us to be devoted to the Lord. Well, they really help me because I don't read all of these to the depth that you do. And this is true for Wesley, too. I've had a harder time reading him and really get, you've got these huge volumes of books you're reading. Yeah, you're looking at these on my desk here, <laughs> <Yeah>. huh? <laughs> well, I've been watching you the last month or more uh, since we were in London and we got to visit his uh, the place where all this started and where he lived and he died and where he built, where the first foundry was and First church. foundry, what was that? Well, that was the first kind of site of, of his Methodist groups and these formation groups and communities we were talking about where they were Small little chapel, yeah. Yeah, for the teaching once a week, but then also for these small groups and breaking of mm -hmm. bread and fellowship and, and, and working it into their lives through how's it going with you and what, what's happening with you and engaging in these disciplines. Yeah, and then the big, uh, the first main church that they built, it was right next to the foundry there. We got to see that yeah. there in London. It's beautiful. And then we just walked a little further down the street and went to a field. Yeah, the speaker's corner or something like that. Well, that was one of the spots. Yeah, yeah. that was in the park uh, where people would preach. But you remember the, the field there oh, where yes, I, yes. I brought out uh -huh. the my little prayer book, and yeah, we went through the, the Lord's fun. Prayer with John Wesley's meditations guiding us. Yes. Uh, you and I yeah. and David and, and Brianne, the four of us, really enjoyed that, just envisioning there in that field, coal miners and, and poor people and city folk and all, all kinds of people gathering there to hear John Wesley preach and responding to the gospel. Yeah, well, he really went to the people. In fact, tell them about his horseback riding 
a quarter of a million miles on horseback covering the English countryside. Uh, ouch. <laughs> yeah, that's a sore butt, huh? <laughs> oh, man. And then you said that uh, he would read. While he was riding his horse, he would read the Bible and other books. Yeah, I just have to laugh, Bill. He reminds me so much of you. you well, you've hit a tree running, reading in scripture as you're running and reading, and you, you're a reformer like he is, and you got all this passion about growing people in Christ and creating all this curriculum, and you know he, he does remind me a lot of you. And there's some similarities in the story too, because. He was very devout, very devoted, very earnest, very hardworking, and he really wanted to, you know, accomplish a lot for God. And so here he is, he's going to America as a missionary after he's he's studied so hard and he's, you know, gotten all the degrees and he's, you know, been brought up in the church and ordained. And then he he surrenders it all and he goes to America to mm-hmm. to try to win the Indians to Christ. It, something happens to him that surprises him. Yeah, it's a big, a big storm that uh, leaves him scared for his life, and he's afraid to die. At this point, he realizes that he, he hasn't truly been born again, that he's religious, but he lacks a personal relationship with Jesus, and he's just longing to experience God's presence in his heart and have it be real, and he, he just can't seem to find it. So he's searching the scriptures, he's going to meetings, he's reading books, he's talking to people and seeking counsel, and it's just not happening for him. And so. Here he is uh, there on, on the ship, and there's this horrible storm, and he's holed up in the bottom just, you know, trembling and scared and sure that he's going to die and afraid he's going to go to hell, and, you know, he's just under all this, this judgment. And then he hears the Moravians up above him singing hymns, joyfully praising God and relaxed and loving each other and just not worried at all about the storm. They just trusted it to the Lord. That's great. And he, he recognizes he wants that. He starts to long for that kind of relationship and confidence. Starts to ask, what's missing? What do they have that I don't have? Yeah. Starts to seek after that. Realize he's depending too much on his flesh, on his own gifts mm-hmm. and abilities. Yeah. And right there in that story, honey, isn't that how it works? I mean, isn't that's like one of the main driving forces in soul shepherding is that we would Keep our hearts kindled uh, in a flame for the Lord and help people to join us in longing for more of God. Yeah. Well, that is so important because when we're not, it makes us vulnerable to sin. Yeah. Sin starts to look interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we're not in a, in a place of intimacy with God, then we, we, we get flat, we, we get tired. We feel bored and we start looking for excitement. And, you know, it can be innocuous things, entertainment, movies, which, you know, sports, shopping, you know, things that are, are neutral. But they just start to potentially fill up our life, fill up our heart. And then we're, we're lacking this uh, closeness and tenderness towards the Lord. But meanwhile, you know, we're going through the motions of our work, especially, you know, those of us who are in ministry, serving in a church, pastors. Christian counselors and spiritual directors, small group leaders, you know, we're serving the Lord in these ways and we got all this head knowledge that we're communicating to people. But if our hearts aren't soft to the Lord and we're not enjoying him, we're not thanking him and and praising him and, and finding a sense of meaning and adventure in this relationship with the Lord and serving him, that's really dangerous. Yeah, and, and it's easy to get caught up in that and the, the disciplines and the legalism. And, and you know, I think he was raised in a home that was pretty rigorous that way. Mm-hmm. And what do you think helps you from his life 
to get more impassioned and warm your heart for the Lord? Well, one of the things that really surprised me, and uh, you were delighted to hear this, and I haven't actually shared it with you. We just started sharing this in the pool. But uh, his journal entry here on January 8th, 1738, and he writes, In the fullness of my heart and by the most infallible of proofs, which is inward feeling, I am convinced that in a storm, when I cried out to God, I did not have calm. And I prayed, Lord, save me, or I perish. Save me. Give me faith, or I die. Mm. And he's crying out for the grace of the Lord, for forgiveness, and for an experience, a relationship, an intimacy with God that he, he realizes that he has never had in his life. He's been so close to it. In all of his Bible studies and seminary and preaching and, you know, being a pastor, so devoted to God and, and caring for the poor and doing disciplines and all this stuff, but he doesn't have the closeness with God. He doesn't have the witness of the Spirit in his own heart that he is saved. The love of God is not abiding in him. Mm-hmm. And he recognizes that, starts calling out for it. And so his the priority he puts on inward feeling, yeah, emotion, surprise. experience. I thought you might like that. Well, I do, and it's such a surprise coming from him because sometimes I I listen to his sermons or I I read them and I just I shut down <laughs> because I'm not hearing that in a lot of those, and they seem a little bit like just overwhelming to me in terms of the expectations of his kind of his fervor and his discipline and his rigor. Uh, some of that's the culture of the time. Some of that's, well, we listened to a couple of bad sermons. I mean, every preacher's <laughs> got some bad sermons in them. Uh, but there's a lot more sermons that I guess you haven't read. Like a favorite one of mine is on the, the love of God. It comes from his uh, The Ways to the Kingdom sermon. And he's unpacking uh, Mark chapter 12, 30 to 31, the greatest commandment that we would love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. And he has these words that he preaches, you shall delight yourself in the Lord your God, seeking and finding all happiness in him. Hear his word to you, my son, my daughter, give me your heart. Let Christ reign there without a rival and you will cry out with great fullness and joy with the psalmist, I love you, O Lord, my strength. And this is your power, your source now, to love your neighbor as you've been loved. Mm. Love for others is to embrace them with the most tender goodwill, the most earnest and cordial affection, the most inflamed desires of preventing or removing all sin and bringing every possible good. And so as you enjoy the love of God, then those you love with their love will begin to thirst after the happiness that you have in God. This is love. Hmm. We love because he first loved us. Yeah, First John 4.19. That's what he's talking about there and his experiencing that. So when the love of God makes us happy, you see, and it lives in our hearts. And this is John Wesley's story because after the ship, uh, almost became a shipwreck after the storm when he was at sail, 
and he saw what the Moravians had. Then he began to meet with different Moravians, especially Peter Bowler, and receive spiritual direction and uh, just cry out for the Lord. And then finally he had that famous experience at the Aldersgate Church, and we visited that spot. And uh, he was at a meeting that a friend invited him to, and in his journal he wrote, I didn't want to go to the meeting, but he'd just been on this search for God. He thought, well, I probably, maybe this will help. And so he goes to the meeting, and somebody he doesn't even know is reading Martin Luther's preface to his commentary on Romans, Hmm. which a lot of us might think is some heady theology that's (laughs) probably pretty dry. And in the middle of that reading, John Wesley writes in his journal, my heart was strangely warmed, and I realized that, yes, I did trust in Christ Mm. for the forgiveness of my sins. The love of God is for me, and it does dwell in my heart. Mm -hmm. He felt it. Yeah. This is why he says inward feeling is so important. It made a big difference in his life, and he he made a big deal about that. He and did. continued to remember that and tell that. And now we got to see there outside of the London Museum a huge bronze flame right there as you enter the door that has an inscription of him talking about this experience there. Mm. Yes, and he was became so effective at preaching and writing to people who needed to have their heart warmed by God's Mm. presence, you see. And so that's what I love about John Wesley is reading things like this about the love of God making us happy and thinking about how he served God and praying for my heart to be warmed, that more of of his devotion for the Lord would live in me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, honey. I mean, I see you receiving that from his life and and his reading, but it's more challenging for me. I mean, if I want my heart to be warmed, I read Nowen and Brennan Manning and some some of these authors that are more like me. Those that are, are wonderful you know, authors. More, um, maybe more shame based and more, you know, needing to overcome overwhelmed that by sh- emotions and all of that. But you know, John Wesley's more like you, and so it seems like you're able to receive something from him that I'm not. Yeah, his his earnestness, his intentionality, uh, um, the way he studies and meditates on the scriptures, and you know, seeks the Lord. All his great ideas and idealism, and in, in those. Maybe I like reading John Wesley because he makes me feel like I'm pretty relaxed and easygoing. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like way more earnest than me. I mean, we heard about his his regimens. You know, waking oh, up man. everybody in the house at five in the morning for prayer. And yeah. I said to you as we were hearing that, I said, well, you want me to start doing that around our house? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wouldn't like that either, actually. Yeah, well, you have to kind of mine some of the gold there for me and present it to me because some of that stuff just kind of shuts me down. It makes me think, oh, man, no way. He's, he's too intense for me. Yeah, well, it is, you know, and it was a different culture. It was a religious culture. And uh, so he could say things then that, I mean, he just wouldn't be able to say probably today. It wouldn't connect with people. Uh, so, you know, we do have to sort of filter things with the classics because, you know, we we understand some things that they don't understand maybe about shame and, and grace and uh, emotion and, and empathy and relationships and uh, things like that, but they really speak into us and the things that uh, we're blind to, mm-hmm. and they help us with seeing the goodness of a, a life of real devotion to Christ and, and yeah. self-denial and uh, the joy that's to be had mm-hmm. in uh, pursuing God with all our heart. Yeah, God certainly has used John Wesley in just remarkable and amazing ways all these years later still. 
And it was it was really neat to learn. I've appreciated you leading me in this. I'm, I've really enjoyed learning his story, getting to know his story and following that. And I, I think of it, it's been good for my devotion to Christ too. So thank you. So let's think about what, what difference does it make for our lives and for our ministry, whether or not the love of God lives in our hearts. Mm. Well, I mean, all the difference in the world. <laughs> yeah. Because instead of depending upon just my own righteousness, then I am actually, instead of serving others or serving self, maybe I might even be in denial of, I'm actually responding to God's love. Yeah, I think that when we get tired in ministry and tiredness becomes uh, discouragement, becomes compassion fatigue, Mm -hmm. becomes burnout, becomes a sense of entitlement, like I give so much, I do so much for other people, I need a little something for myself. And like you were saying, sin becomes more tempting, you know, and we find ourselves going through the motions in preaching our sermons and having our appointments with people to care for them as a counselor or spiritual director or leading our small group or recovery meeting or whatever work we do and how, however we serve the Lord. I mean, even as a parent, guiding our, our children in the ways of the Lord. And we, when we find ourselves just tired and discouraged and going through the motions, uh, one thing we can be sure is that our heart is not being warmed by an affectionate sense of God's love for us and our love for him. And so it's not spilling out of us with joy and peace. And that makes it not sustainable. Power of God isn't really at work there through us. So this is so important in our ministry that we do everything we can to to rub on our hearts and get them warm for the Lord. And we do that by rubbing up next to somebody who's hot for Jesus or picking up some prayers of, of John Wesley or another person who's seeking hard and, and joyfully after Christ, and we let their devotion now spark a fire in our hearts. To, oh, yes, it's true. God is good to me. And so I uh, thought I would close today with a prayer from John Wesley that I paraphrased. It's been a blessing for me to pray this. I call it the Pure Love Prayer. And this will bless our listeners. O Lord, may nothing dwell in my soul but your pure love alone. Holy fire, burn away my strange desires till my every thought, word, and act be love. Yes, Lord, may your love possess me whole. You're my joy, my treasure, my crown. Praise the Lord. Let it be so for each of us, for each of our friends tuning into this podcast, Lord. May your love warm our hearts and may your love spill out, flowing out from us to the people around us in our family, our place of work, and our friendships, the people that we minister to, Lord, that we all would give thanks and praise to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be nourished and strengthened in our life of following you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, friends, for listening. And if you want to read some more from John Wesley, we recommend our, these Soul Shepherding resources, John Wesley's Prayer of Consecration and John Wesley's Meditations on the Lord's Prayer. And I've got an article I'll be adding also. So 
Be blessed as you serve the Lord. Thank you. If you do an internet search on Soul Shepherding Classics, you'll find our recommended reading list of the classics of Christian devotion and lots of short articles with excerpts from these great books. You can also find our new archive of Ignatian Meditation Guides. We have over 50 one-page PDF handouts that guide you in using your imagination to connect deeply with Christ in the Gospels. These are great for personal devotions or a small group. SoulShepherding.org is a gathering place for hundreds of people every day who are gleaning from free resources like these and sharing them with others. Drop on by, and while you're there, leave us a note. We love hearing from you.